and we'll go to Psalm 126 and take just a moment and consider this passage of Scripture and give you just a couple of uh, thoughts concerning uh, some great things the Lord hath done. We'd like to admonish you for about 10 or 15 minutes here and uh, just give us opportunity to be thankful for some of the good things that God has done. Now, Psalm 126, if you found your text, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible. In Psalm 126, verse 1 and 2, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was her mouth filled with laughter, and her tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, now watch this, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Notice, if you would please, there's a statement mentioned two times in these two texts. In verse number 2 and verse number 1, the Lord hath done great things. And so I want to preach tonight for just a moment. I'll not really get into any particular text, but I would like to give you four things that God's done for us, four great things recorded in the Scripture. Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you tonight. We love you and we thank you for our church. Thank you for the great testimonies tonight, and thank you for your blessings upon the worship. I pray now that you'll be with Brother Peacock tonight, be with Miss Jana, give her that grace that's not yet discovered. And I'd ask you, Lord, that you'll help us tonight. We lean upon thee, and we ask you for your blessings in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As I consider this passage of Scripture, and there are many things tonight that I believe that God has done for us that would fit in the category or the classification of great things that the Lord has done. But when I consider the matter, there's three or four I'd like to just briefly share tonight. And as we consider these texts, I'm thankful for Luke chapter number 23. For in Luke chapter number 23, we have the record in the Gospel of Luke of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I want to say tonight that I am very thankful for Calvary. And I believe one of the greatest things that God has done for you and I is to show us his love. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe one of the greatest things God did for humanity was Calvary. And there when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary. I thank God that it was at Calvary that I bowed as a sinner, bowed my heart, bowed my head, humbled myself, and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm grateful for that day, as I mentioned this morning, as I got up off of my knees and my heart was overfilled and overjoyed with the thought of Calvary and the fact that Jesus would die just for me and shed his blood for my sins and my transgression. And not just that, but I was overwhelmed with Calvary because the the fact that God did it just for me. And I thank God tonight. Calvary was one of the greatest things that God did for humanity recorded in the scriptures and in the Bible. I thank God tonight for Calvary. In spite of the crucifixion and the atrocities that followed with it was associated with the crucifixion of Christ, I thank God that while he was there on the cross that he shed his blood, died for me, and that tonight his blood will save whosoever that will call upon him tonight and he will cleanse them and he'll wash them and he'll make them white as snow. As I thought about salvation and along the lines of this morning's message, I thought about a story that I'd read some time ago that took place in Camden, South Dakota. Several years ago, there was an elementary school that caught on fire and outside the window, the fire trucks and the police officers and some of the family were gathered together and the school was engulfed in full blaze. 
and there was nothing that anyone could do. And as they stood there, one parent looked out and saw his son go up to a window and he cried out with a loud voice, Daddy, can't you save us? Can't you do something? And of course, there's nothing the father could do. But I'm glad that when we call out to God and we call out to heaven tonight and say, Father, can't you save us? There is a heavenly Father that hears and answers the prayer of the sinner for salvation. And that morning in that church, when I called out to the Lord, he came and saved my poor, wretched soul. And then I thank God for the gospel. It deals with the death of Christ, Calvary. But then there is the burial. And he was buried. And the Bible said that he borrowed a tomb. Somebody said, well, preacher, why did Christ borrow a tomb? Well, when you borrow something, you usually have the intent of returning it. And so Jesus borrowed a tomb. And Joseph of Arimathea. And we find that Jesus was in that tomb. And the Bible said three days and three nights. And one of the greatest things that Christ ever done was Calvary, where there he gave himself for our sin and transgression. And then three days and three nights in the grave, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And on the third day, one of the greatest feats to humanity, he arose from the grave and resurrected in order for you and I to have life and to assure our resurrection and that blessed hope that someday we'll lay down the sin, the sorrow, and the setbacks and disappointment of this life, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm glad that what God started on Calvary and what he did in my heart that day I was saved and born again, he'll finish that day when he comes and calls his church home to be with him. Thank God for one of the greatest feats given to mankind was the ascension of Jesus Christ. The Bible said there in the book of Acts that as they stood there, they beheld him as he ascended up into the clouds. And he said to them that he would return in like manner. And I'm looking for the day when he will return. You know, the Bible uh, says much about the ascension of Christ. And without the ascension, there'd be no church. Without the ascension, there'd be no resurrection for you and I. Without the ascension, there would be no salvation. There would be no hope that we have of eternal glory. We would live and die and be left here on this earth. But I'm glad for the ascension because uh, when you consider the matter, God uh, created gravity. And then we find that Isaac Newton, he discovered gravity. And then Jesus Christ overcame gravity when he ascended into heaven. And thank God every single one of us on that blessed day when he says, come up hither, we'll defy gravity and we'll go through the sky and we'll go through the portals and we'll enter into the very presence of Almighty God. One of the greatest feats of humanity is the ascension of Christ. There's an old spiritual song that says, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. And I'm telling you that one day there'll be no grave that'll hold this body down. They stuck him in the grave and they put guards to guard it. And they put the Roman soldiers there. They rolled a stone in front of the tomb to seal his grave. But up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. And then defying gravity and ascending into heaven. Then the greatest of all feats, I believe, that God gave to humanity was salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Someone was singing a song the other night in one of our services, Whosoever will come. And I thought to myself, that'll cause a Calvinist to duck and run right away. 
Whosoever, I'm glad we have it, whosoever will salvation. That anyone that comes to Christ can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I remember a man that was in the Wyoming State Penitentiary some years ago. He was on death row. He had been there for many years. In fact, he was the last death row prisoner in the old prison in the late 70s in 1978. And then he was the first death row prisoner in the new prison in 1979 when they opened it up. And he was there and he was cold, he was hard, he was distant, he was callous from the Lord. I'd witnessed to him time and time again. Every time he'd say to me, preacher, go on down the cell block, share that stuff with somebody else, I'm not interested. But then one day I received a little interview request and he said, I'd like to talk to you. Well, I had him brought out and they brought him, of course, in his shackles and chains as they normally did. Anyone in the maximum security or segregation unit, especially those on death row. And I went back and talked to Mr. Lopez. And Mr. Lopez uh, spilled his life before me. He told me all that ever he did. And I said to him, I said, Charlie, I said, you don't have to confess your sin before me. I'm not a priest. I'm not a father. There's nothing I can do about your sin and transgression. But there is one that I can tell you about tonight that will listen to every word that you have. He'll hear in every heartache that you have. He'll bear every burden that you have. He'll wash your sins away. He'll cleanse you. He'll purge you. And he'll wash you white as snow if you'll but call upon him. Charlie said, would you tell me about him? I took my Bible and showed him how to be saved and come to know Christ as a Savior. And on the other side of my desk, he stood up, lifted his hands, and he simply said, Glory to God, I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm saying that God's able to save the vilest of sinners. God's able to save the church member. God's able to save whosoever will. You know, false doctrine is everywhere. I was over in the Middle East back in November of last year. And they asked me in the Bible college to teach on Calvinism. And I said, what do I need to teach on Calvinism over here in the Middle East? Oh, you got Muslims for the most part. And I started teaching on it. I had submitted uh, several things that translated into the Arabic language. And I got to teach it on Calvinism. And I couldn't get off of it. And I spent a day and a half in the college from 9 o'clock in the morning to 9 in the evening, uh, two days, and then from 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock on the last day. And I spent almost a full day speaking on Calvinism. And come to find out, there was three that sat in the church or in the college that uh, they had been talking to, witnessing to, and getting ready to expel them from the college. And when we got done with it, uh, two of them came forward and said, I'll never be a Calvinist again as long as I live. I'm not a Calvinist. I just thought I was a Calvinist. I believe the Bible, and I believe in a whosoever will. Salvation. Thank God salvation came because of Calvary and the great blessings that God gave upon us. Great things he hath done. Our theme verse for our conference this year was taken from a Psalm 29, verse number 2. The Lord, he is, give him the glory. Give God the glory for the great things that he has done. And I say to you tonight, I believe that we ought to give him the glory. The Bible said that if we don't, he'll cause the rocks to rise up and to give him the glory. And I believe tonight that as we consider this matter, there's many things we ought to thank God for. And we ought to thank God for Bible Baptist Church and the church we're in. I was telling someone the other day, they said, our church is on the downfall. So we don't have but a fraction of our members coming back since COVID. And then another pastor in another church said, the majority of my people have left. They're still watching online. They won't come back into the auditorium. 
I said, well, that's interesting. I said, God's blessing our church. We're in a building program. They said, what? I said, we're in a building program. You say, what? I said, we're in a building program. And wouldn't it be miracle and marvelous if God began to work and move in all of our hearts? And one by one, we started giving to the work of God. And I know that we do, and I'm not uh, preaching one way or the other. I haven't talked to pastor or anything, but it was on my heart to say this. I wonder what had happened if every single one gave out of the abundance of what God has given to us. And we had a service where we was able to say, God hath done great things, and God defied the odds, and God moved on the scene. And all of the resources that we need has been provided. Great things the Lord has done. I remember a preacher many, many years ago that was in one of our conferences. And they had borrowed money to build a church. And they were busting at the seams. But they had a balloon payment. And the balloon payment was coming due. And it was over $250,000. Now, $250,000 is a lot of money today. But it was a lot of money back about 30 years ago. Even more. And... uh, He was getting discouraged. The balloon payment was due on the next day. And he went into his office one morning and he said to his secretary, he said, I don't want to be interrupted. No calls, no interruptions. Even if it's an emergency, don't call me. I want to be left alone. And he sat down at his desk and wrote a suicide note. And he said to the church, I love you. And I'm sorry I've taken you into this death. And about that time, he pulled his pistol out and put it up to his head. And his secretary called in and said, there's somebody here to see you, Pastor. He rebuked her and said, did I not tell you for no reason for anyone to interrupt me? She said, but Pastor, he's adamant. He's got to see you. He said, tell him, come back tomorrow. Hung the phone up. After a few moments, and he's finishing up and getting ready to pull the trigger, and the secretary rings through again, says, Pastor, this man won't let me alone. He said, God's kept him up all night, and he's just got to talk to you. And the pastor said, well, I guess if it's that urgent, go ahead and send him in. He put his suicide note up, put his pistol inside the drawer of his desk, He brought the man in. The man came in, began to weep. He said, Pastor, he said, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. He said, you got to do what? He said, i got to do what God told me to do last night. He said, I'm miserable. He said, I hadn't slept a wink all night. He said, the Lord's impressed on my heart to give to the church that they had to the penny a $250,000 debt. He said, I don't know why, but for some reason, God's impressed on my heart to write a check for exactly $250,000 for the debt the church has. He was a man that didn't even know anything about the church other than the fact they had debt. He didn't work the bank, wasn't a church member. And the pastor said, excuse me? He said, God's laid on my heart to write a check for $250,000. He said, are you kidding me? He said, no. He said, I got it right here in my hand. And he gave it to the preacher. The preacher prayed with him. He walked out the door and he said, God, all that suicide note, I was just kidding. He said, I thought to myself, maybe that thing's not good. And I ran down to the bank 
and walked in and I uh, got it cashed out, took it to our bank, paid the balloon payment. He said, I walked out with my shoulders up, my chest tuck out, and I strutted out to my car and I thought, boy, God can do anything. God can do anything. God can do anything. He said, I drove up to the little window there. We had to pay for the gate to come open and the arms to lift for me to enter out of the parking lot. And they looked at me and said, a pastor, the man knew him. He said, that'll be 25 cents. And the preacher said, I stuck my hand in my pocket and I stuck my hand in this pocket. He said, I lifted up the glove box and looked in the center console. He said, I began to scavenge through the, uh, through the vehicle. He said, you know, I don't even have 25 cents to get out of the parking lot. And he said, the Holy Ghost of God smote my heart and said, listen to me, you can't even get a quarter to get out of a parking lot. And I gave you twenty or $255,000 through a man who couldn't sleep and he said God can do anything I just want to encourage you tonight as we get ready to close can your God do anything do you really believe that tonight and for the greatest things ever done for humanity God gave to us through Calvary and the resurrection and the ascension and through salvation God hath done great things for us. And I believe tonight it'd do us well. Like the others that have testified and praised and worshiped tonight. If we just give him all of the glory. I don't know what the need may be tonight. Maybe God's speaking to someone tonight about ministering. About giving. About surrender about sacrifice I close with this question when he died on the cross to purchase your soul and mine is he getting what he paid for our fathers we bow before you bless these few short simple words tonight use them for thy glory thank you for the rejoicing of the church and the good great things that you've done help us tonight to lay ourselves on the altar. God, to yield it all. Homes, houses, lands, family, finances, life, vitality, our strength, our mental capacity. God, help us to lay it all on the altar. You've done great things for us. Let us give you the glory. In Christ's name, I pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed as folks are coming tonight. Maybe you're here this morning and through recent weeks, months, and years. I'm not to make anyone doubt their salvation. If you're saved, you know what? There's no reason to doubt it. But maybe you're here tonight and you know you're still struggling with salvation. The greatest thing God did for humanity is to provide a way for you and I to be saved. Why don't you come tonight?